Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. A very happy holidays to you. Ho, ho, ho. Exactly. Exactly. We are doing a very special holiday episode. I am your host, the man uh, who is all things holiday and fun. Uh, I, I'm truly an elf of the holidays. I am Mackenzie. Oh, elf, that's cute. I am. I'm, I'm wearing green. Jack Mac elf. Oh, I love that. I oh, love that. Love and I am joined by our Scrooge of the episode. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Lady of Muskoka, the Canadian B. Arthur, the John Adams of theater, Autumn Smith. Oh, hello, everybody. I have now been pigeonholed as the Ebenezer Scrooge of this episode. Mm-hmm. It is so my job watching. to come and convert you, Autumn, on this that? musical. Bah humbug. <laughs> That's right. Don't worry, Autumn. I'm here to convert you. I, 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 I'm, taking, I'm taking the place of all the ghostly spirits of this, uh, of this musical, and Not- I will bring you to the other side. You will end up like Scrooge at the end, dancing in the streets, Mm-mm. <laughs> giving coins to the poor. I do that. Um, that that I yes, philanthropy. I'm big into. Fact. Speaking of all things Christmas, there was a cool Advent calendar that I saw promoted. Really? What it is last it? time? I think it's called the Good Deeds Advent Calendar. And you give $24 and every day you open up a little window and it shows where your money, that money is gone. That's a neat idea. I think it's brilliant. I Give it to the kids. Give it to the kids. I'm so tempted. I mean. My mother gave me a Lindor one this year. There we go. But yes, this is our holiday episode. Last season, we didn't do a holiday episode, but instead we went and saw the movie Cats. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. This holiday season, we were supposed to go see West Side Story, but that has been moved to next year. Luckily, we still have The Prom, thanks to Netflix, so keep an eye out for that. Autumn gets to watch another Meryl Streep musical movie. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that one. I love that musical. So keep an ear out for that. That will be coming hopefully around the holidays as well. But this is our holiday episode. And Autumn, what is our holiday episode this year? We are doing a Christmas Carol musical. That's right. That's right. That's right. We are diving in to the Christmas Broadway extravaganza that kind of started the whole trend of like Christmas time musicals. But yeah, that yeah, but yes, we are today we are tackling the Mencken and Aaron's musical adaptation of a Christmas carol. And this was my pick of of, yes. of episodes. And Mackenzie Horner, why did you pick this? 
Yes. So I chose this because this is by far out of all the musical adaptations of A Christmas Carol for the stage, not for film, for stage, because Muppets will always be the best film adaptation yes. of A Christmas Carol. Light the lamp, <laughs> not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. It's great. <laughs> best line in any movie ever. <laughs> But for the stage, I do. I come to this one and like this one the most. Isn't it the uh, only one? No, there's quite a few actually. Oh dear lord! People like the story. Uh, so, but I love the way that they um, rounded out the characters in this. Like the fact they gave Scrooge a stronger backstory. The fact that all the characters, like even the Fozzie wigs, get a little bit more stuff built in for them. I love that you called it Fozzywig and not Fezziwig. Oh, Fezziwigs. The Fezziwigs get the, I, I, I even get a more built out uh, story. And the fact that we get more of the ghosts. I just think this was a really solid adaptation of a very traditional classic story about a grumpy old man. Um, so, and also I think the combination of... Not grumpy. He was lost. Well, definitely. He's definitely a lost person especially and, they, and th- that's another thing this music goes very well is it justifies scrooge's attitude toward the holidays like you totally can understand why he doesn't like this time of year because it seems every bad thing that's ever happened to him in his life has happened this time of year i mean his dad gets locked up in prison his mother dies his sister dies giving birth you have his marriage fall apart marley dies like all around the holiday season it's like no wonder this guy just goes like leave me alone like i totally sympathize with scrooge so that's one yeah. reason why i like this because it's really because i mean i love michael kane as scrooge but i never sympathize with him michael yeah okay all right fine. like he's a great ebenezer scrooge but there's never a point where i'm like <coughs> poor scrooge i'm like just waiting for him to have the conversion this i'm like poor scrooge life actually was hard and sucked for you and i can see why you fell into the hole you did um, yeah. So that's what I like about this. Uh, I also love how this is a very classic Broadway sounding musical. I mean, it is like sweeping and Autumn, you described it perfectly. You're like, this is like an American version of Oliver because it totally fits that style. Which is problematic. <laughs> it is problematic. It is not an American story. No, no. No. And if you're going to set it with American actors doing terrible accents, dear God, put it in New York or something, in the tenement buildings. Something. Something <laughs> other than this. Well, in that case, you might as well do Scrooge. Like, I, I, I can have a vision of, like, the Bill, uh, um, yes. what's his name, Bill Murray. Another story. great musical adaptation, which I prefer. Mm. Fair, fair, fair. But yeah, yeah, that's the only reason why I like it. I like it for the Broadway sound. I like it that it totally sounds like right out of a Disney Renaissance. Um, well, it is. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, it totally falls within the timeline. The fact that Michael Eisner came and saw the show and went to make it and went, why did we just like produce this and do this ourselves? Like we couldn't eat. This totally fits within our wheelhouse. Uh-huh. But they didn't see it. So there you go. But yeah, that's why I like this show. I come back to it. Every holiday season. Actually, I listen to this more than every holiday season. I used to listen to this on the go train in the morning sometimes. Oh, just to life. rest my eyes and just listen to some nice sounding, you know, music. There. There, there, there. Yeah. 
So that's why I chose it. And I'll give everybody a very brief plot rundown for anybody who doesn't know the <laughs> plot of one of the most iconic pieces of holiday fiction that's out there. So basically, mm-hmm. this is the classic retelling of the Charles Dickens tale of the same name, A Christmas Carol, which tells the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, a elderly miser who is visited by his former business partner, Jacob Marley, who said, Scrooge, you got to change your ways or else you will be damned for all time. And so throughout the night, he's visited by three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and Christmas yet to come. They take him through, show him the error of his ways. And by the end of the story, he is a converted man who vows to live his life as a kinder, gentler, giving person to his community. And, and you have all, and it's a great cast of supporting characters like the Fezziwigs, Bob Cratchit, Tiny Tim. Fred. Fred. Yes, we have Fred. If you've never read the actual Dickens book, I highly recommend it. It is a very easy read. I'm sure Autumn will read it to her kiddos this holiday season. I should do that. I should do a recitation. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Yeah. But yes, that is the plot description of this show. Very basic. It's very basic. Finding goodness. Yes. Finding goodness instead of greed. Yes. Yes. And so, Autumn, we've talked a lot about the creative team for this. I think there's only one person on this whole team that we kind of alluded to in our producer's episode, but we never actually gave him a proper bio. So who do we have on on the creative team you want to kind of highlight this time? I will will do a brief summation. So we have Charles Dickens, one -hmm. of the most prolific authors of the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. Great Expectations, Bleak House, Oliver. Mm -hmm. So that episode, it's a double. Double, It's our only double episode right now. Uh, What is it? Like, is it that Bleak House? House, um, Tale of Two Cities, Nicholas Mystery Nickleby, on my calendar right now. Um, Mystery of Edwin Drood, great, amazing, brilliant writer. Triple human being, but very great writer, as we established in Oliver. He's got some questionable things he did, like the fact of living with his mistress, exiling his wife. It's it, like, just go back and listen to our Oliver mm-hmm. episode, you get the full Dickens bio. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it. Then we have the composer, mm-hmm. Alan Menken. Um, we talked about it in Little Shop of Horrors. So. Right. Songwriter, music director, uh, known for his affiliation with the Walt Disney Animation Studios, mm-hmm. uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas. Hunchback. Uh, he also did Hunchback, Hercules, Home on the Range, Enchanted, and Tangled. He also did Little Shop of Horrors and Newsies. Then we also, um, God bless you, Mr. Goodwater, something like that. He also did a few others with Howard Ashman prior to his Disney times. That's all on our prolific writer, prolific composer. Yes. Great. Uh, refer back to Little Shop of Horrors episodes. Excellent. Lots of fun. Then we have the wonderful composer. Uh, Lynn, uh, uh, lyricist, sorry, yeah. they can compose. Uh, Aaron's is a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a writer, a lyricist. Um, she works primarily with her friend Stephen Flaherty. Yes. And they did, just to remind you, once on this island, Ragtime, mm-hmm. Susical, Lucky Stiff, 
and Anastasia. Uh, so that's her little bio. Mm-hmm. The person that directed mm-hmm. um, this musical, um, I think he did the movie. I'm not sure if he did the stage musical as well. But he did the movie for sure. And he was the movie, husband, movie of what? Christmas Carol. No, he didn't do the movie. He died before doing the movie. He only, he, so. No, no, no. He, no, he died in 1999. The movie comes out in 2004. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Don't worry. He directed can... the original version of it. Yes. He was the original director. And his name is Mike what, Autumn? Robert Ockrent. Mm-hmm. Ockrent. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Robert Ockrent, who was you heard briefly about when uh, we did our producers episode because he was mm-hmm. the original director and mm-hmm. his wife, Susan Stroman, was the choreographer, mm-hmm. but he died during that uh, production and she took over. So mm-hmm. um, he was a British stage director, well known for British uh, for his Broadway musicals and smaller niche plays. Uh, he was educated at the Highgate School, which is cool because I lived in Highgate and mm. it's beautiful there. Amazing. Um, he directed Educating Rita, a very popular play, The Nerd and Follies. He became an established figure uh, in the London theater scene with those three plays. In 1986, he made a successful transition to New York City with Me and My Girl, which earned him several Tony Award nominations. In 1992, he worked with Susan Stroman on Crazy For You, mm-hmm. and they were married in 1996, and then he died from leukemia in 1999. Yes. Uh, a charitable trust now exists uh, in his name, and it aims to give access uh, to the theater for children with cancer, involving nights at the theater with uh, backstage visits. Love that. It also... Yeah, it also funds leukemia research, uh, mainstream, and alternative. So that's the way to go. Way to go, uh, Michael and Susan, for continuing that mm-hmm. that legacy for Michael. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Friends, if you're looking to be philanthropic, that might be something you would like to donate to. I like that. Well done. Well done. Thank you. There I go. And so that's it for production people. But now we get to dive into some production history because, you know, this the show has a really interesting bit of production history. So uh, the musical was conceived in the early 1990s when the Madison Square Garden team approached composer Alan Menken to gauge his interest in writing a musical adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Mankin was interested, and because of his recent Oscar wins for The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast uh, with Disney, he was given basically full creative control in assembling a uh, what, what could be dubbed a dream team of collaborators to work on the project. Uh, his team included the late British stage director Mike Ockrent uh, and choreographer Susan Stroman, uh, who were hot off their Broadway hit Crazy for You. And Tony nominated uh, Once on the Silent Lyricist Lynn Ahrens uh, because Mencken knew her uh, from the BMI workshop, which we keep bringing up. So clearly it is a hot spot for composers and lyricists. Um, uh, when Ahrens was approached about partnering with Mencken, 
she initially was a little apprehensive because she was worried uh, that uh, she would damage her relationship with Stephen Flaherty, her writing partner, by going with Alan Menken. So she she went to Flaherty. Yeah, so yeah, so she was initially uh, hesitant to do this project. So she went to Flaherty and said, "Listen, I've been approached to do this. Are you okay with me going to write with somebody else?" And he was like, "Yeah, of course. Go on ahead. No problem." Uh, hmm. So she signs on, and away they go. Uh, so Mankin, Awkward, and uh, Aaron's uh, had eight to ten intense story meetings to get the full blueprint of this adaptation worked out for both book and music. Uh, so Aaron's and Awkward worked on the book, and, they, and while they wanted to be faithful to the novel, they also wanted to give a chance for the supporting characters involved to be further developed and also to give a proper backstory to Scrooge. It's something the original book lacks is giving Scrooge more reasons to be the way he is. It's very kind of like he's a miserly old man. He doesn't like Christmas. That's kind of it. We don't really get the full picture of why. That's not true. We get to see his pain. Yeah, but they go further in this musical. They give more credence to why he is the way he is. The book gives some, but not a lot. The music, like they worked. So, for example, when doing this, uh, they actually took uh, for Scrooge's backstory some of Dickens's own backstory by using what happened to Dickens's father, where he also went to debtor's prison, uh, and made that part of Scrooge's backstory. So, which totally works. It totally makes sense, and it gives Scrooge a driving reason to to being like the penny pincher that he is because his dad says save your pennies as he's being dragged off to prison it's like perfect motive right there one of the main solutions for building up the supporting cast was to actually make london itself a character in the piece so really kind of building up london uh within this musical so for example uh in the song uh christmas together they really wanted it to be a large ensemble number that featured a, a, a wide range of community characters. So, for example, sailors, hookers, fam, um, like wealthy families, poor families. Such a comfortable spot for our Christmas together. Sharing a morsel of bread and a jig or a gin. Giving the needy a nice hot meal and saving the sinners from sin. And lighting a blessing the ship might it end for Christmas together. Anybody, any city. That does not define London. <laughs> they failed well, at that. They failed. In fact, I would say it's the furthest thing away from London. <laughs> well, that was their goal was to build up. So maybe they failed in, in the community aspect, but they did build up the other supporting characters like Cratchit, like the Fezziwigs. I don't want to say Fozzies, mm-hmm. but it's Fezziwigs. Fezziwigs. Yeah, the Fezziwigs. 
So, but yes, they built up the other characters really nicely. They they, they kind of rounded them out. Uh, it was actually during this writing process that Mankin, while writing the song, um, sorry, Yesterday, Tomorrow, and Today, he also came up with the song Out There, which was going to be, which would end up being used in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Out there, by the sand. Taste a morning like ordinary men who freely walk about there just one day and then I swear I'll be content with my share so that's where that song came from was it came from it came from when he sat down at that brand new piano to write and both those songs kind of came out of him and he was like i don't know where we're like out there's gonna go but i'll have a spot for it i'll have a spot for it so one of the treasured pieces of the score from aaron's is a song called a place called home which has personal meaning for her because she says uh we needed to write something that was tender about scrooge before he becomes scrooge uh where he still is able to love and that song a place called home actually is a lot about my house i have a weekend place that i that i just love and it has a red front door and at christmas it has a christmas tree i was envisioning that house when i wrote the the lyrics because the house for me is really a place called home so that is where that's nor nor we will get into that song because i have feelings about that song (laughs) um yeah uh, either way, so the writing process from everything feelings are bad feelings. You'll find out. You'll find out. <laughs> uh, but the writing process, all in all, went very well. Uh, the musical then premiered at the Paramount Theater on December first, nineteen ninety four, with a wraparound set of Victorian London designed by Walton. Um, sorry. Got a refrigerator. Put his first name in. It was designed by. Hold on. Uh, it was designed by Tony Walton. Tony Walton designed the set, and it was a wraparound uh, set that went through the audience, and and there was a a dizzying array of costumes by none other uh, than William Ivy Wong, and. Uh, and the cast was over a hundred people because it's Madison Square Garden, so you can fit a big cast on the on on the stage there. So the cast was over a hundred. The cast included Emily Skinner, Robert Westenberg, who we just talked about in our first episode because he plays Fred in this, but uh, he originated the role of the wolf in Cinderella's Prince and Into the Woods. That's right. Uh, then there also is Ken Jennings, the original mm. Tobias. From Sweeney Todd, and he played the role of the um, lamplighter slash close to Christmas past, which totally fits. I can, I can with, with, with that tenory voice he has, it totally feels like a little sprite. So, absolutely. You also have Christopher Zieber, who originated many roles on Broadway, including the role of Lord Farquaad in Shrek the Musical. He started out in the ensemble for that show. Uh, you also have Mary Stout. Uh, playing uh, Mrs. Fezziwig, 
and Char and Walter Charles originated the role of Scrooge. The show uh, proved to be successful and received good reviews from critics. And it was so popular that for the next 11 years to 2003, that show played every Christmas season at Madison Square Garden. Why did it stop? I don't know. I guess after 11 years, they kind of went, okay, done it. Uh, but it's still being done. Uh, at the time of its premiere, the only major, uh, the only major uh, recurring holiday show in New York was the Radio City Christmas Spectacular with the Rockettes. Uh, uh, so, so basically, it was an open market for them. The production model uh, paved the way for other recurring holiday classics we had, you know, such as White Christmas, The Grinch, Elf, and A Christmas Story. To this day, A Christmas Carol still holds the record as the longest-running holiday show in Broadway history. Yeah. So, following this oh, opening, the Rockettes. Apparent. Well, well, I I think the Rockettes are their own thing because it really is just like a dance thing. This is like show show. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, following the opening in 1984, for the next five years, Awkward, Mankin, Aarons, and Sturman all reunited every holiday season to uh, lead the remounting of this show at Madison Square Garden. It was on December 2nd, 1999, nearly five years to the day that the show opened, that Awkward passed away. Uh, in his final days, while in hospital, Awkward was still able to direct and give notes because Madison Square Garden actually set up a closed circuit television to his bedroom. Oh, so God. he could watch the show, give notes, and at the end, uh, Aaron's remembers that everybody held up signs saying, we love you, Mike. And Aww. he died shortly after that. Oh, that's... Oh. What are I'm we warming... I know, yeah. I know. I mean, like, doing what you love right up until, like, literally the very end. But to have your communities surrounding you like that mm -hmm. pretty awesome it's special yeah, yeah. it's special um so scrooge has been inhabited by a number of uh famous individuals every holiday season so the list include f murray abraham the uh who plays uh Salieri in amadeus you have tim curry uh, Frank Langella, who, who is notable for playing Nixon in Frost Nixon. Tony Roberts. Roger uh, Deltry. Roddy McDowell in his final stage ex uh, appearance. Jim Dale, who many will know as the audiobook voice for Harry Potter books. And Tony Randall have all inhabited the role of Scrooge. Oh, those are great. And... The film version, which I know you're going to talk about. Yes, there is a film version. We are getting there. But before we do, we'll talk about the London uh, production because it actually is very relevant right now in our history. Uh, the musical made its London premiere on Monday, December 19th, 2016 at the Lyceum Theatre as a concert production played by the London Musical Theatre Orchestra. It starred Robert Lindsay as Scrooge. Alex, uh, the other um, lead in Me and My Girl. Ah, there you go. I think he played it on Broadway. Okay, okay, there you okay. go. Uh, it had Alex Gonmond as Bob Cratchit, Carrie Hope Fletcher, and her sister Genova. I think that's how you say her name, Genova Fletcher, as Emily and Mrs. Cratchit, uh, Madalena Alberto as the ghost of Christmas past. 
Hugh Maynard as the Ghost of Christmas Present, Norm Bowman as Jacob Marley, Peter Polycarpo as Mr. Fezziwig, and John Addison as Fred. The concert uh, was also a success, and and it was and it was produced again at the Lyceum on December 11th and 18th of 2017, with Lindsay returning to the role of Scrooge. On December 2018, the production returned to the Lyceum again with Griff Race Jones as Scrooge. And from December 7th, 2020 to January 2nd, 2020, a new production of, uh, 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 of the stage concert will happen at the LMTO and will run at the Dominion Theater starring Brian Connolly as Scrooge. But due to COVID-19, uh, the theater will be socially distanced, so a reduced audience size. The other notable thing, as Autumn alluded to about this musical, is that it was turned into a musical TV film produced by Hallmark for NBC. <laughs> and it was directed by Arthur Allen Seidelman, it was, uh, with Aaron's readapting the book. And it stars Kelsey Grammer as Ebenezer Scrooge, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld as Bob Mar- as Jacob Bob Marley, Jane Krakowski as the Bob Marley. <laughs> Jane Krakowski uh, <laughs> as the Ghost of Christmas Past slash Lamplighter, Jesse L. Martin, who we just talked about in Rent as the Ghost of Christmas Present, uh, Geraldine Chaplin, the daughter of Charlie Chaplin, as the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Be slash the Blind Hag. Uh, Brian Bedford, the voice of Robin Hood in Disney's Robin Hood as Mr. Fezziwig. And Autumn, you'll like this Claire Moore. Canadian actor. Yes. Brian Bedford. Yes, Brian, Brian Bedford. Legend. Yes. And, uh, and his wife is played by Claire Moore, who was the original Ellen in Miss Saigon. Oh my, I screamed when I saw it was Claire Moore. I was so excited. I she, adore her. She's like a great Man. party host. And that dress she wears. Ruthie Henshaw. Ruthie Henshaw played. Don't worry, Scrooge. we're getting there. Yes, okay. exactly. Ruth, yes, Ruthie Henshaw as Scrooge's mom, whose voice is so angelic. Like, God bless her. I love me some Ruthie Henshaw. And we also have Jennifer Love Hewitt as Scrooge's former <laughs> fiance, Emily. And this also received. We need to stop there. We can't. We can't run through that. Why? Is it why? Because it's a Hollywood adaptation. I mean, for the most part, this is a Broadway cast. I mean, all these people have done Broadway or West End. Even Kelsey Grammer. Like the only one who isn't part of that. You're right. Is Jennifer Love Hewitt. Like she is the sore thumb of this piece in so many ways. In so many ways, there is. A, uh, like, like well, I want to get Laura Benanti to play this role. I could totally see Laura Benanti doing anybody. This. Anybody could have played this role better. That what has been. Um, there are a ton of Canadian people that could have uh, come into that role. We did not need Jennifer Love Hewitt. We did not need her in this. She cannot sing. A, B. She just looks like she's like she's a victim all the time. <laughs> like party of five died for a reason. Bye, bye, get out. But hey, who am I? It seems to be an ongoing thing. Every time there is a musical adaptation for film or television, we have to get some big names in there from Hollywood because you know they would not survive without having people like Meryl Streep 
leading the leading them. They would. I I hate I hate to break it to you. Um, West Side Story in the Heights doesn't have a lot of big names in it. No. Those are going to be huge. Oh, so, they're going to be so good because the cast is going to be fantastic. We don't need. I love Meryl Streep. Please don't get me wrong. I do. I think she's right. Um, I never need to see her in another musical. Autumn, what was your first experience with this? Because now we've kind of gone through production history. What was your first experience with the show, Autumn? This, this podcast is my first experience. Actually, that's a lie. I watched this when it first came out. I was so excited. I was like, oh, the person who wrote Once on this Island is involved in it. I was excited. And then I turned it on. I watched about 10 minutes. And I was like, no, wrong. I'm out. So that's when it first came out. And then I gleefully bah humbugged my way away from it <laughs> until you forced it on me. But it's not as bad as Titanic. Not quite. Titanic is good. It is good. The music in there. I actually showed I actually showed that opening number to a, to several people recently and they all were like, oh. I'm actually interested to watch more of this. Yeah, and then they'd watch more and they're like, oh, I can see why it sank. <laughs> it it was successful. It won the Tony for Best Musical that year. There was no competition. <laughs> Next. <true>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a boat sinking. I guess we better give it to that so they recoup their losses. <laughs> hey, anybody oh, who sinks a boat on stage is, is like thumbs up in my book. If you can do that, that's some pretty special theater magic there. Okay. <laughs> right. Next. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, so I came to this through YouTube when I watched the also the 20, 2004 uh, film with Kelsey Grammer. I bought the album because I was like, oh, I actually like this music. It's It's got some nice jaunty tunes. Uh, and so I listened to it, as I said, throughout the year. Uh, I mean, the film is a very joyful retelling of, of the stage show. The stage show has a much darker sound to it um so listening to the stage music music versus the film is very different so i recommend if you're not a fan of the movie autumn i'd recommend finding a way to listen to the actual stage recording because it does have a different sound and i would totally go see this live in a heartbeat i would take my friend's kids to go see it like this is totally a fun family adaptation of this story like Great holiday theater experience. I could totally see why this ran for 11 years. Because who doesn't want to bring their family to go come see a joyful uh, musical like this? All about rebirth and, and and rejoice and holiday fun. Like It's a great story. Great story. And, and great it's music. not family. It's done well. This should not be incredibly family friendly. It's about death and greed and <laughs> capitalism and poverty and not being able to make ends meet. <laughs> Woo! Light and fluffy. Great well, material. This made those, well, this musical made, made all this stuff light and fluffy, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Autumn, let's head into our top three songs. What's your number one? Um, I don't know. I'm going to... I'm, I'm I'm, mine are all the cheesy ones. The ballads. Okay. Okay. I like Place Called Home. Place called home, and I 
You probably hate it. Oh, I hate it. It's on my other list. I think probably because I think of Scrooge and he doesn't have a home. Mm. Home is family. Home is connection. Yes. Yes. It's not about the place in which you reside. It's about who yeah. populates that space. Yeah. So I think I like Aaron's ethos around it as well. I'm making a personal to her. Mm-hmm. I could do without Jennifer Love Hewitt in this song, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I was envisioning somebody um, talented singing it. So, <laughs> wow. I am a bah humbug today. I am a bit of a Scrooge. Ah. <laughs> That's okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with it, friends. Done. <laughs> um, no, I think it's I think it's pretty. I think it's got a nice melody to it. I don't think there's anything here that's like substantial. Mm-hmm. So I went with nice melodies. Okay. Well, I'll say I don't like this song. I mean, I love that Aaron's made it very personal to her. Some very pretty lyrics. But I just go, it feels like a generic love duet. There's nothing special about this love duet. It's it's so basic. And like, and on top of that, like we've already established Emily and Scrooge in, in the whole Fozzywig ball sequence. Like, we don't need another freaking song for them to profess love. We've already set that up perfectly with, with Strowman's choreography. Like, you're but good to go. But it's taking it away from... She's saying my home is with you. It's not about having a lot. It's about mm-hmm. being together. Mm-hmm. So it's dismantling that idea of what he thinks they need, right? Mm-hmm. And bringing it down to the love that they have. Now, listen, you've said something, Max, so I'm going to touch on it. Okay. This is a very generic version of a very beautiful piece of work. <laughs> this is the oh the americans didn't want this story to be left in london so they americanized it <laughs> a nice little feel and the fact that it was produced for tv by hallmark i mean <laughs> it does and i haven't listened to um the uh, other version i will do that mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it can change that monstrously. I no, think it's, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it's still very paint, like wide stroke brush. It's very uh, general. It's yes. and we need to hit these marks. And there are some cool things. Like I love that the Fezziwigs come and ask for money, and he refuses yes. them. Yeah, That's I thought that great... was a nice moment. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, hmm, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. And I like that Marley dies in his arms. Yes. Well, that was a good moment. Yeah. My only friend. Yeah. Jason um, Alexander. Yeah, but he did great. Like, that was a good death scene. That's a fantastic death scene. Yeah. You totally feel um, Scrooge in so that moment. But yeah. There are, yeah. Moments, there are moments where this, I actually stopped and it caught me. Mm-hmm. But. 
everything else felt like we need to put a musical number in here. Mm-hmm. We need a big bank number, Mary Poppins esque. We yeah. need, you know, there are all these notes that they tried to emulate in other great musicals. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they need, and the, the Fezziwig ball was more like something from Oklahoma. Hold on, we're going to get to, hold on, hold on, we're going to get to Fezziwig ball. Don't worry, we're going to get to that. And Oklahoma was, too. It's funny that you bring that up. Don't worry, we're going to get there. <laughs> there is nothing, there's nothing London about this, this musical version. No, it's very Americanized. It's totally American. And that's why I am a bah humbug on it. Yeah, it's not American. And London at that time was like when, when grimy, dirty, it's, it's Oliver. When, it, yeah, it's Oliver. It's Oliver. And, you know, even Oliver has some problematic Americanized um, um, qualities to it because I think Bart was writing for. That American sensibility, right? That's what he was trying to emulate. A musicals technically are an American made thing. Yes. Right. Um, so at that time he was on the cutting edge of writing uh in London, right? Mm-hmm. You have Rogers and Hammerstein, you have you know. Yeah. So yeah. I think I I think it's too American. Mm. Um, and they uh, there's some elements of darkness in it, but I um, I don't know. It's too general for me. Like I wanted it to be better. Yeah. Oh, it's very general. It's very general. And I will say another big oh. thing with this song, A Place Called Home, is it feel it literally is almost identical to the song um, When Love Is Gone from from A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Like literally almost to the note. They are oh. exactly the same song. And both songs I skip because I'm like, ugh, love duet. Don't care. Don't care. I love a good love duet. I just, the rest of, look at, there was not much to choose from. <laughs> so, A Place Called Home, very generic to me, one I skip. Uh, but it my is- number one song is Mr. Fezziwig's Annual Christmas Ball. <laughs> It's grannies kicking up their skirts. Where do babies dance before they fall? Mr. Fezziwig's annual Christmas ball. Food and friendship, wine and song. No one turned away. We look forward all year long to Christmas Eve when Mr. Edwards every penny toward the joy and good of many. I love this song. It was the first song that made me uh, catch on to this musical. Like Brian Brian Bedford and Claire Moore killed the song in the movie. It is so raucous and joyous. Like it just makes you want to get into the fray with them. It's like I would totally go to your Christmas ball party. And you're right, Autumn. This song is very much Rogers and Hammerstein. Very much like one of my favorites. The farmer and the cowman must be friends. <laughs> it's so British. I can't stand it. <laughs> like, it's just so fun. I mean, Aaron's, I mean, half the lyrics are freaking nonsense. It's 
Like, she didn't even bother writing lyrics for half the song. But, I mean, it still works. It's still a fun thing. And it's that glimmer of light in the memory of Scrooge. That it's the first point in the show where you see his warmer side come out. So, I am totally for this. Kindness on him. Yes, exactly. And you see that in the song. And it's like, oh, okay. Because up to this point, we haven't seen that side of Scrooge yet. Yeah. But then he turns it against him and says, well, you should have kept your money. Yes, yeah, Sidori, we're getting to that moment. There, There's a whole song about that. Sidori, we are getting there. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, but yes, no. I love Fezziwig's Ingo Christmas Ball. I rewind that scene often just so I can watch the dance because Stroman does a beautiful job with the dancing in this uh, bit. It's so much fun. And it, it, you can totally see the early links because she actually did do a production at Oklahoma with Hugh Jackman. She was the choreographer for that production. So you can totally see some early Farmer and the Cowman dance moves. In okay. This whole musical screams Susan Stroman like everything at Stratford screams Donna Fiore. <laughs> There's a certain style <laughs> that is bombastic. Yeah. Larger than life. Yeah. Almost almost uh like I don't know. Uh, awesome dancing meets physical slapstick. Like there's like a physical slapstick esqueness about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it doesn't fit here. <laughs> I would have preferred seeing Jillian Lynn choreograph it. Well, she is British. That would have worked much better. Well, it was just again. You know, the more I watch these large dance shows, the more I, you know, my dramaturgical brain pops. Like we talked about carousel, blow high, blow low, and and how that dance, no sailor would dance like that. Of course no sailor would dance balletically like that. No, they wouldn't dance like that. They would not dance like that. Hence why Jerome Robbins is such a brilliant choreographer, because he understood choreographing for character. We need to do that more. Like We do. Yeah. We, it needs to fit. It's a sweet song. It's cute. Again, it's generic. But there's joy. It's got to be joyful. It's a Fezzy Week's Christmas party. Of course. Yes. yes. But, like, just, I don't know. Have them jumping over kegs of beer or something, or uh, have a like mulled wine moment. You know, like I don't know. I don't know. I would totally go to this Fezziwig party. I would totally rock it in this. And it was too pretty. People, um, uh, apprentices, they would not dance like that. <laughs> not happen. Yeah, not happen. No, I don't know. I don't know. Autumn, I will say the Fezziwig annual Christmas ball song is on my long cutting playlist. Of course it is. <laughs> it totally is on the playlist. Right after Farmer and Cowman. Oh, absolutely. And before yeah. I can stop the beat. Yeah. I know. I know the tunes. Listen, and one day more finishes off. It has to be the finishing number. Of course. Um, what I was going to say, I, I, uh, when I, you first said that it was playing in London, with Robert Lindsay, I was like, oh, they'll hate that. Um, and you know what? Londoners would hate it. 
But people in West End theaters are not Londoners. They're tourists who are mostly American. So that's why it survives there. It's yes. not because it's it populated with anything about London. There's nothing about London in this musical. They're pro. <laughs> so, Autumn, what's your number two? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Um, hold, please. <sighs> Autumn's face right now. If you could see Autumn's grimacing face as she looks through her list. Kills me. They're all just generic. Um, who's Jonathan? I don't even know who Jonathan is. What? Jonathan character. There's no Jonathan character. Street song. Which song? The street song. Oh, God bless us, everyone. Let the stars in the sky remind us of man's compassion. Let us love till we die, and God bless us, everyone. In your heart there's a light as bright as a star in heaven. Let it shine through the night, and God bless us, I'm going with that one. Oh, I love that song as well. It didn't make my list, but it does come up in another one of my songs. That, that's um, my list. That's my whole list, Mackenzie. What? That Those song? Songs. Yeah. Seriously? Oh, my goodness, Autumn. Because it keeps popping up. Yes, it's yes, it's that reoccurring God Bless Us melody, and it's gorgeous. It is it beautiful. It is hauntingly and liltingly beautiful. Matchmaking at his best. Yes. Totally. But it's still generic. Of course, there's a song in there called "God Blesses Everyone." Well, you need that that line from that story screams "Turn me into a song." If sure. you did not do a musical of Christmas Carol and did not musicalize that that line, then what are you doing? Like that I is the most iconic that. line of that musical. Yeah. Well, I'm choosing that one because it's pretty and it's Tiny Tim. Who doesn't love Tiny Tim? Yes. Everyone loves Tiny all, Tim. Even in Actually, my humbugness today, I love Tiny Tim. <laughs> but can I just say, when he gets tucked into that bed, yes, those are some fancy ass white sheets. What is Hallmark? <laughs> That's not happening. I said to read because I made him watch it with me. I'm like, what's wrong with this? He goes, those sheets, those are wrong. <laughs> Your child's a dramaturg, Autumn. You know it. You know it. So <laughs> God bless us, everyone. There. I've said it. Uh-huh. Reed would make a great Tiny Tim. Yes. So my number two is the money montage. I'd like to borrow ten, sir. I'll pay you back again, sir. 
ten pounds uh, plus interest. Here's half that I did borrow. I'll bring the rest tomorrow. Kindly see that you prompt. I need a bit of time, sir. You know my credit rhymes, sir. Sign here. I've fallen deep in debt, sir. I swear I'll pay you yet, sir. I helped you both get started. What's made you so hard-hearted? Turn away, here's the price you pay. Here's another shadow yet to see. What money montage? It's on it's it's on the Broadway album Autumn. They 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 condensed it in the film. It's the moment where you see um Jacob and, and Scrooge doing their business. It's 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 the spot in the show where um mm. the Fezzy Wakes come uh to plead for money, Emily breaks up with Scrooge, Marley dies. It's a it's a bigger musical sequence that takes oh, out. Okay. and it is well I'll go with that too. I'll say that sounds great. Sure, uh, I love it because it allows you to understand Scrooge. Like it totally is like there's the line in, in, in Into the Woods where it's careful what you say because children will listen, and it's this moment where Scrooge is reaping that because his dad says save your pennies, like. Don't be in debt, save your pennies. And so you're seeing this happen to Scrooge where he is becoming this cold and calculated man as the song progresses, as he gets more money. But yet you understand why he's doing this. And it's because this fear of poverty that is driving him to such an extent. It's kind of almost like by the time you get to him where he is when Marley dies, it's almost become Macbeth, where it's he is steeped in blood too far He's gone too far in this direction to ever really turn back, and and the, and it's just solidified for him with the, with the with with Emily uh, giving back the ring and Marley dying in his arms. Like those are the two final, literally nails in his heart coffin that kind of seal him up and make him who he is. And the, and it's this whole mini journey you go through on this song. I mean, the fact that you also have the Fezziwigs coming and pleading for money, and he turns his back on them. And yet you understand why, because because the whole thing of why would I throw bad money or sorry, good money after a failing business? Like, I can't fault him for that as much as I don't agree with his mentality. I also go, if you're a shrewd business person, you would absolutely be cautious of where your money goes. It's it's there's something ironic about it, because Dickens, I'm sure, had money. And yeah, yes. He was producing anti-capitalist um, propaganda. <laughs> like, uh, it's interesting. This is an interesting piece for me. Mm-hmm. Because again, like Benny in Rent, why does money make... Oh, I don't know. I mean... Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. What, what happens... Million dollars. Does it change I you? I don't know. I don't know. So here's the thing. I don't think money is the problem for Scrooge. Right? I think the problem for Scrooge is that he takes his father's message literally to heart. And because he's so driven, like my mom has the same fear of not making enough money to support the family and not in being in debt. Hence why she worked three jobs to pay off her first house. Like she worked literally morning, noon and night while putting herself through school, like while owning a house. So it's a whole thing, like, and it's that drive that's, that that these people have of the fear of failure, 
And Scrooge is very much like that. He's seen what can happen to you when you fail. And Scrooge, I get it. Like, I totally get it. And I think it's more of when Scrooge just swings too far in one direction. Because he becomes so focused and so tunnel visioned that he totally loses the other people in his life. Exactly. And I I think that's what Dickens is talking about with this, is that he goes... Making money isn't a bad thing. It's when you lose perspective of, of the world around you and just become so self-obsessed. But how sad. Like, how sad this journey is. It's, to, it is tragic. You know, like, to lose sight of community and giving. It can happen to anybody. Because you're thinking you need to keep doing this to survive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's about survival. Yes. And debtor's prison was a big thing in London. Oh, Dream. absolutely. They yeah. were there. The fleet, the fleet was the biggest debtor's prison. Mm-hmm. And sometimes families could actually go and be together mm-hmm. in the debtor's prison. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting too. Yes. To have the family actually living in debtor's fleet. prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's why I love the money montage. It's it's this piece of really complex character moment of Scrooge where you understand why he's going the way he is, but you also go, Scrooge, like, don't do it. You're going to lose so much in the process. Yes, you'll make your money, but you're going to lose so much more. He doesn't see that. He just sees. Well, he sees success. He goes, he, he goes, I am succeeding in life. I am living up to what my father told me to do. I am. I, I'm embodying the message that I was given. That, I, that yeah, but that I, what what are his alternatives? There aren't. They're, they're still right. like either be successful or don't be and fail. Right. So maybe he. We need to meet him at the end of our life and mm-hmm. his life, and he needs to go through that journey so he can give back because yes. he is at the end of his life. But yes. if, like, let's look at this realistically. Mm-hmm. If Scrooge, Ebenezer. Um, did not, was not hungry and did not save and did not, he would have ended up like Bob Cratchit. Yes. Bob Cratchit is rich in another way. So it's Mm -hmm. basically it's comparing wealth Mm -hmm. and which wealth is better. Mm -hmm. Human wealth or financial wealth. Yeah. Or, or financial wealth. And can you, is there a way that you can have both? That's the big question, isn't it? Big question. Mm -hmm. Big question so you this musical does have depth it's 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 creating a great discussion the story has the story has depth not the musical (laughs) the charles dickens pen brilliant novel Mm -hmm. novella Mm -hmm. Uh, one more thing i'll say about this montage is it also showcases alan Menken's underscore really well like alan Menken is a master at bringing back motifs and melodies and mm-hmm. twisting them uh and yet so throughout this whole montage you have the lyric the uh, melody lines from like the bank theme at the opening to mm-hmm. the lights of long ago to the fozzy wig ball theme that are all being twisted into this minor descent as the song goes on
and it's brilliant. Once again, Alan Menken showing his musical complexity with this piece of work. It's wonderful. Well, you've convinced me. I'll say that's my number three as well. Perfect. Even though I haven't uh, heard it. I'm going, I'm, I'm going in uh, to this situation not knowing what I'm talking about, everybody. He's swayed <laughs> me again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My third choice, though, is Yesterday, Tomorrow, and Today. I never tasted all the errors of the past replaced with something strange. Give me time to change. I can see a future full of beauty, and my spirit starts to fly. I can change the world, yes, it's my duty. God forgive me, let me try. I'll spend my fortune on the ones who need me. Go where kindness and my conscience lead. Uh, which is Scrooge's big uh, moment in the graveyard where he realizes uh, what he has to do. And he makes the vow to convert. Okay. It's, it's a beautiful moment. And Aaron's and Mencken, they've written this wonderful climactic transition piece where literally you can see, I, it's almost like how in the Grinch where you see the Grinch's heart grow two sizes. Three. Exactly. Three sizes. Three sizes. It's Three sizes. It's the same thing with Scrooge. Scrooge, Scrooge literally melts, heart, his heart melts in this song as he bleeds. Saying, like, let me live on so I can do better. And it's a moment that never ceases. Like, you know, you won't, you know, you, it gives me chills when I watch it with Kelsey Grammer. It's, it's a beautiful moment, especially when it's the children's choir at the end doing the God Blesses Everyone melody and Ruthie Henshaw comes back. Basically, she's acting as Fontaine. This role is literally Fontaine hallmarked. Like, like, skip the prostitution and tuberculosis plot point and just have her die off screen. But she comes back and sings to him. It's a beautiful moment. Like, it is so lovely. Like, it's it, 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 it just hits me right in the heart every time. And once again, Mencken doing his wonderful work of weaving multiple melodies and creating and making, into it, making a whole new motif. Yes. Fine. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I. It's a great climactic soliloquy song for Scrooge. I couldn't even listen to, uh, really ho with my whole heart because you. The scene before was a bunch of grave diggers dancing. Ridiculous. Yes. yes. It, yeah. The first time, the first time I watched this when it first came out years ago, 
what were you? Two? 2004? I would have been. Crap. What do I mean? Like, I think it would be eight. Oh my God. Okay. 2004. <laughs> I was, I don't even, I don't even know. That's too much math um, for this 47 year old. Someone else do it. Let me know the number. Um, and they will watch. You'll see. <laughs> How old was Ottoman in 2004? Uh, I, when I first watched, I'm like, this is stupid. They're dancing over a grave with their shovels. Dumb. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm very, out. yeah. Yeah. That moment, the moment leading up is not great, but this song is a great moment. I didn't get to that great moment. Well, I did, but I was overshadowed by the ridiculousness of those shovels. Yeah. And when I watched it, I watched it with Sarah at Sarah popped in at this point. And I said, this is terrible. She goes, um, I'll have, I'll, I'll remind you now that you put a digging scene in the musical. Yes. And I did. was like, I did, but it was different because <laughs> it was specific. Then people using their shovels as propellers to jump over a grape. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why that part didn't make my list, but the Scrooge part did. Yeah, okay. Uh, I did like the return of the mother. I will yes. say that. I was yes. grateful. And it was a beautiful moment. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it is a beautiful moment. Been. Ricky Henshaw saves that moment. Might have almost had a tear. Not quite, but might almost have. Oh my goodness. Uh, this music got you listed in an emotion out of autumn. Almost. I... It was close, but not close. <laughs> All right, let's get into the three songs we either would cut or skip entirely. The rest of them. Uh, link by link by link by link by link. These were coins I hoarded for a rainy day. Now with every jingle, I'm disgraced. Locks and keys that helped me keep the poor away. That's what put these locks and keys around my waist. Link by link, my chain was getting longer. Link by link, I should have heard it clink. Link by link, each year a little stronger. Link by link, by horrifying link. The Jacob Marley song mm -hmm. performed to the hilt by Jason Alexander in the film version. You know, it amazes me. What do you think amazes me, Mac, about this song in particular? Because it's totally out of character with Jacob Marley. It's a totally over the top dance and comedy number for a very scary, ghostly character. Mm -hmm. It has elements of something in it, though. Uh, I don't know. It's incredibly anti-Semitic. Is it? You watch it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll have to watch it again for that. I, yeah. I watched it. I'm like, is this, are you trying to do, like, to life from Fiddler? They may have been. I don't know. And they have the, they have, like, that, klez, it's almost like a klezmer sound in it. And I'm like, hmm. oh, how interesting. We're playing on this trope again. And this is a trope that I thought vanished with Oliver. Mm. 
Yes. And that thickens. And he was chastised and criticized. And, um, you know, people, you know, were offended that when Dickens did it, but when Mencken does it, no one. I never, I, I, I never caught that, but now I'm down to fucking oh. listen to this song and watch the choreography. Okay, I'll watch the, the choreography. Circle, all the men in the circle. Mm-hmm. Planning. It's very interesting, and I was like, that is terrible. <laughs> That's worse than the grave diggers. Jumping over someone's grave. <laughs> well, I, I just couldn't get around it. I couldn't. I couldn't get around it. And it 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 had it had like this Catskill esque quality to it, which had this yeah, it had the the shtick, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, oh, absolutely. Well, with, all, with all the dad death puns, like I never lent a hand, hit no hand, yeah. like. There's a lot uh, of that song. That's one of the reasons why I don't. It's not. It's not one of my favorites because it just becomes a bunch of death puns. But it's also anti-Semitic, it, and it was it was done in a way where it looked like they were Jewish. So there are so many connotations uh, to that, right? Yeah. A, you have this trope of of um, people of Jewish culture being miserly, right? Like Fagin. Yes. Yes. And and the criticism, like the, why that was criticized, um, so that's terrible. Mm-hmm. That that should never be perpetuated again. Mm-hmm. And then you have this choreography that perpetuates that as well. But then you also have this idea that these people have gone to hell. Right. You get this overarching anti-Semitic statement that. Jewish people cannot ascend to heaven. Right. Wow, you really dug into this song that I have never dug into in this way. Well it, done on it. As soon as I watched it, I was like, was horrified. And I looked at Rita, I'm like, this is not okay. This is not. I was having a meltdown going, did they, did they even know that they've done this? Like, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, uh, but oh, I want you to listen to it. <laughs> I'll totally go back and listen to it again. Yeah, no, it just uh, not not good. Yeah, not good. Yeah, yeah. Not good. Link by link by link by link. Yeah, a lot of freaking links. Um, I will say for me though, besides a place called home, I'm not a huge fan of abundance and charity. The Christmas goes to Christmas presents big number uh, because I just go. It's not necessary. You can cut this and just keep Christmas together. Well, it's just like boom, it, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You get it? Yeah. 
script. Yeah. It's very sledgehammery. And the fact that there's a whole tap dance number in there, it's like, I don't need it. Well, it feels again, like another number for Strowman. It was another, you know, this is what made it American. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that they wanted like this kind of music hall. In the conceit was that he's a charity, charity music hall performer. Yeah. Right? Christmas yes. Christmas present. Yes. But music hall doesn't look like that. No. It looks way grubbier. That looked vaudevillian. Mm-hmm. And that vaude- vaudeville American. Yes. Music hall Britain. It was mm-hmm. a bastardization of music hall. You yes. can't do that. There are no rocket lines in music hall. There's no. no, you know, there's no, it's not really tap dancing. There's soft shoe. It's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't even know if there's tap dancing in vaudeville, to be quite honest. I think there's soft shoe too. Yeah, I think it's soft shoe because tap came, comes later in life. It comes later. But mm-hmm. like, I was like, do you know what you're doing? Do you know? No, you don't. And yeah. uh, I can't. Oh. There's there's something interesting about having Jesse L. Martin in that role. But I've yes. noticed that, like, uh, it's almost a reclamation of what the the trope was uh, during the vaudevillian times, which we all know was the minstrel or blackface, right? So reclaiming that is interesting, but I don't know. I don't know if it, it needed to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know either. I, like, yeah, that's been a thing the last few productions they've done where they've cast a BIPOC um, artist in the role of Ghost of Christmas Present, which is like, eh, okay. I mean, it's not really for me. I mean, to be honest, I much prefer the Muppet Ghost of Christmas Present, that big puppet Muppet guy they got. Yeah, I mean, they're like, ghosts. They can be anything. That's the beauty yeah. of it. Yes. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be, I think it'd be interesting to see a full BIPOC version of this. Like I could totally see that happen. Hey, you know, because mm-hmm. the struggle and and the need to survive and the need to thrive mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. relevant um, to so many uh, BIPOC yes. uh, people, right? Yes. And so that'd be that'd be interesting. I'd lo- I'd love someone to do that. Maybe they Autumn's have. Autumn's wheels I, are turning. I can see your wheels turning. It's not my story. I would I I I would love someone else to reclaim it and redevise it. Right. Autumn is giving this idea out freely for anybody who wants to do it. And I would love to come watch it. I think yeah. that it would be great because it is a universal story. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I think, you know, when, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think there, there are things you have to be careful about Yeah, and you can, you know, uh, uh, discon- uh not disconcerting, a concerning audience mm-hmm. will recognize certain things like that idea that I don't, I don't know if that's good, the right place for them to be, the, for Jesse L. Martin to be, mm-hmm. I, I almost would have preferred him uh somewhere else like his friend or you know mm. um that would have been an interesting twist right would have made fred a very different character would have said something about scrooge's sister 
Uh, in that time and place, I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think I think put, putting that character um, as a BIPOC actor, uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I just think I don't know if these creators really gave thoughtful, critical engagement to what they were doing. Probably not, considering it was mid nineties. Where like these conversations we're having now weren't happening back then. Like we had this conversation. I mean, we were fresh off the heels of Miss Saigon. When I know. We were this, we're also fresh done. off the heels of Once on This Island, and we talked mm-hmm. about that. Yes. And no, it wasn't Aaron's and Flaherty's story to tell, but they were respectful in the telling of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't think adding klezmer influences into the link by link number is intelligent. Mm-hmm. I think it's surprisingly anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if, you know, putting a BIPOC actor on a musical stage, that, that kind of commentary, I just don't know if it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have to think Good more question. about it. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking as we're, we're talking about it because, you know, so many people were objectified and, um, racialized in, in those venues mm-hmm. so and yeah mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah but there you go but it's a charity that's my number needed. two yeah. yeah yeah it just doesn't it doesn't fit i mean yeah cute the young girl is there and he gives her a quarter or whatever yeah shilly <laughs> um you can ask me about the accents i i have to say why was we're talking about the ghosts now yeah, we can talk about the ghosts. I, I love Geraldine Chaplin. Is that her last name? I don't even yeah, know if that's her last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We placed the ghost of Christmas yet to be. She was great. Fine. Mm-hmm. Pretty silent role. Yeah. Jacob Cassie cannot do a British accent Oz whatsoever. At the end. Yeah. Uh, the thing that they do, the Wizard of Oz, like, skipping thing at the end is, is stupid. But yes. anyway. Don't worry, don't, worry, don't worry, we're getting to that moment. Um doesn't it just doesn't fit that all um but then you have the lovely jane krakowski <laughs> who cannot do a british accent to save her life help a working person reach the light sir a woman's not fit for the job me husband's ill you'll likely get the sack then it's the workhouse for you both isn't it or take the time for doing right, sir. Good evening. You'll be sorry, sir, when you look back. None of them. I agree. No. Kelsey Grammer. Oh. Well done. And the people yeah. from Britain can do them. Yeah. Jane Crickett. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think Jesse L. Martin even attempts a British accent. I just think he does Jesse L. Martin. I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't pay attention. Yeah. Um, Jane Krakowski has really stood out to me as. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. So bad. And why is she like this sexy... See, that's why you gotta listen to the Broadway one, because it's because it's <sighs> it's more of an impish spirit they give to uh, the Ghost of Christmas past. And it works because it's done by uh, what's his name? Jennings, who plays Tobias in Sweeney Todd. So it's that already that voice is perfect. For yeah. that type of role. Like, it totally yeah. works. Who are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. 
It's your lucky night. Brought you something bright. Something with a twinkle and a glow. To remember the nights of long ago. Remember the nights of long ago. Glimmers in the dark, here and there a spark. Suddenly a picture starts to grow. Come remember the lights of long ago. Remember the lights of long ago. Still, it doesn't like that. That casting was crap. Number yeah. one. Yes, agreed. Jacobowski was not meant for that role. I think it'd be interesting to have a child play Christmas past. You could, you could. Yeah, I mean, you very much could have that ethereal spirit that either goes to Christmas. Like that idea that that your youth is where you learn your big lessons. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a place where you've you've been set. You've set yourself rather than being playful and curious. You've shut all that off. Right. Maybe that's what this is about. Hmm. This show is more about, it's not about money. It's about just becoming set in your ways mm-hmm. and losing the spirit of community and empathy for others when we become True. set in our ways. True. I think that is the lesson yeah. in a Christmas carol. Fair. I've read that's, a, that's, a, that's a good message. Yeah. That's a good message. Uh, I will say, though, I have one more song I don't like. Oh, do tell. And it, and it is Christmas Day. Which is when Scrooge wakes up from the last bit with the like he wakes up and then he's changing his ways. Um, so I like the drive in the song. I like that it's this carrying melody that kind of carries Scrooge through these climactic moments with different people, like the like the like the charity people, the Christmas yeah. turkey, Cratchit, Fred, all that stuff. What I don't like about this song is that Scrooge keeps saying that all this has to do with me. Here are coins for the poor, just the first of many more, and a check for your charity. And if we save a few, let it all have to do with me. Smythe! Hear the bells as they chime, Mr. Smythe, you're out of time. And you're now out of debt as well. Go buy the tots a toy, buy lots, have a good and a fine Noel. If I'd known what I know, I'd have done it years ago. I'm as light as a man can be. Oh, the whole world is new, and it all has to do with me. <laughs> and basically, he's so self-obsessed, which makes me go, these are hollow acts. Like you giving your money away, he goes, look, you're happy, and it's all to do with me. It's like, you're missing the point. Like, if Scrooge is going to do it, it has to be a selfless act, not a, let's all pat me on the back for giving my way, uh, giving away my fortune. Isn't it like, called Nothing to Do With Me? That's the first song he sings at the beginning oh. of the show. Christmas oh. Day is what he sings later on. Oh. And, 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 he's, and he's doing the reprise of that melody, but now it's, this all has to do with me. So now, he, so now he's become a self-obsessed philanthropist, where it's like, Yes, like, yes, you're doing good things, giving to the poor, 
But the fact you're proclaiming that it all has to do with me and I am so good bugs the crap out of me. I just go, like, it misses with Scrooge. Like, the two good moments of that song are his reconciliation with Fred and his family. <coughs> and also um, his his, uh, his moment with Cratchit, where, 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 where he acknowledges his wrong with Cratchit. Those are the two good moments of that song. The other community-giving moments are, like, just self-obsessed, self-obsessed pats on the backwards. That I am a good white man giving my fortune to you. You poor, downtrodden people of the world. Here, it all has to do with me. Thank me, thank me, yes. Gather around me, dance in the street at my feet. But don't you think that's what most, I'm going to say 99.9% of philanthropy is? Oh, absolutely. I don't disagree, but I just go, it kind of defeats your story purpose. If your main character only converts and is only enjoying it because he's getting praise for his deeds, which is like something you should be doing. But I, I wonder if Mencken and Aaron's were being smart in that. Like, I, I would love maybe. to think that given the unawareness um, of the rest of the musical, I'm going to say no, they didn't uh, understand that. <laughs> Um, and it's too bad because I respect them both very much as artists. So I, they let me down on this one, Mac. <laughs> but I think I think there's something to that. Like I think you know, look at we love band aid solutions. We love reactive guilt. <laughs> we love uh, performative solutions. Mm-hmm. The problems. And um, they make those those three things uh, do a nice little job of sweeping all the problems under the carpet uh, or the money carpet. We'll call it the money carpet for philanthropists. Mm-hmm. There's no real action to change. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no action to create change. They're just letting the money do the work. Mm-hmm. And then they can go, oh, I feel good about myself because I've, I've done that. Yes. And people will like me because I gave them money. But do people really like them? Do yeah, that's a question. Really like has been abusing this community for how long? And now he's giving money. It's like, oh, well, no wonder they're cheering in the street for oh, you. If you're donating at... money, of course. I've worked in many situations where I have heard about donors being tolerated because of the amount of money they get. No one likes them. No mm-hmm. one likes them. But they are tolerated because they keep giving cash. And, you know, I don't think that's the way forward. But look at, look at, if you are, if you are a real charitable person, donate anonymously. This is not about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do do not, uh, you know, people often put up things like, oh, I donated to this, I donated to that. It's none of anybody's business who I donate to. Just do it yourself and shut up about it. Yeah. People make it all about them. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's not about them. It's about giving. It's about seeing people and meeting them where they're at and trying to help them. Mm-hmm. That's it. But that's a very good point about this song. Mm-hmm. Because it does point out the flaws with most philanthropy. Yeah. It's not about you. It's giving should never be about you. It's about the act of helping somebody who doesn't have what you have. 
And yes, there are good philanthropists that have their names on things. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. But for the most part, people do not give with a genuine spirit. They want, always want something. I don't know what that is. I don't like, I, I, my greatest joy is not about what I get in the world. It's about giving and seeing people happy. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's selfish too, because I, I enjoy mm-hmm. seeing people happy, mm-hmm. but I would never ask them for something in return. Fair. No, like I, our empathy, our empathy button for the most part goes so far. Yes. So you're right. This, it's a very appropriate song. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at me. Look at what I've done. I am the best philanthropist of all. Yes. I will now have every building in London called the Ebenezer Scrooge Bank Theater and Concert yep. Hall. Yep. Basically. Yeah, so that's the only reason why I don't like this song is because I just go, it's it, 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 it's so hollow. It, it just turns Scrooge's transformation very hollow for me. I just well, go, re- yeah. It reeks of privilege. It's a sign to those who go into those buildings that someone is better than them in the world financially. And him making the song about himself makes him alone again. Yeah. And he's using the one thing that has alienated him uh, to win the better graces of of people, yeah. So there's an ultimate irony there. In oh, this. absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thousand so percent. <sighs> I don't know, but let's get to our final thoughts, shall we? Autumn, is this a musical that you would like to see revived? Does it still have a place today? No. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't. It's fine. There's nothing worse than fine art. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd rather someone really do a beautiful, immersive version of this that is not this musical. I find this musical very generic. I don't think we need another generic musical. I think it's fine, mm-hmm. and that's not fine with me. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't. I don't think that um, they've captured the voice or the place very well. It's not specific mm-hmm. to what Dickens created. And if you want to engage it in a new way, if you want to gauge it through the American lens, do it. There are so many parallels mm-hmm. um, to to this work. Set it in Detroit when Detroit, like as Detroit slowly disintegrates, mm-hmm. right? Um, use BIPOC uh, artists. Find a contemporary way to tell this story that doesn't use the Victorian lens with non-Victorian costumes, like that ghost of Christmas past thing. What was that? <laughs> uh, you, it needs to be reevaluated. I, I don't know if they realize some of the intrinsic racialized, racialized things they've put in here. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just it's very general the the dance is very general in the choreography um yeah no no <laughs> i can't say no mac i think there are better versions fair i mean i still enjoy this piece for what it is it's a fun pit of christmas theater that comes around once a year I would, I mean, obviously you got to reduce some reorchestrations to, and some, definitely some casting reconsiderations. Uh, but I think, I, I think the base isn't there that, you, that, that there's enough you can play with 
that if you did want to make a smart comment about philanthropy, you could. Or, for example, dive more into that money montage and dig a little bit deeper into that character. Because the base is there. They've given a base. It just depends on how that work is interpreted. You, you, see, you see to work that a bit. And I think you can. So I do think there is a place that just needs some retooling. Yeah, so there we go. I think there's a base here that you can work with. I just think you yeah, need to... Yeah, maybe. I just, I think so there's... You, 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 you also need a director who, who, who's is going to sway away from the broad Broadwayness of this show and dive into some and dive into some of the deeper character stuff that's provided. Because the fact they give Scrooge such a great backstory and give him an understandable motive, mm-hmm. you can play with that. And, and same thing with Cratchit. And also, and also the Fezziwigs plot. Like you can get into all this and dig a little deeper. The pl- mm-hmm. this, the, the 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 diamonds are there. You just gotta dig for them a bit, and you can yeah. with this. There's there there is. I guarantee. I I would say there is a way to do this. You just gotta strip it down and rebuild it a bit. Keep yeah, the, maybe keep keep the foundation. Reorient. Go a little darker. Yeah. Either way. I think that's it. Substance. Substance. Mm-hmm. Substance. There we go. Love that. And so, everybody, that is our holiday episode. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, but- ho, 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 ho. But there we go. That is this episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you once again to Brody Well for your fantastic theme music that you have provided for us. Listen to all his greatest hits this holiday season, including Home Decor, which is my personal favorite, all about household furniture. The fact that somebody made a song out of that just gets me every time. Well done, Brody. Okay, Listen to him at Father Flows Us. Uh, Father can, Flows Us. Exactly. Father Flows Us. Uh, you can uh, still submit some reviews to our Season 2 feedback survey where you can win a prize. So get on that, everybody. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Before the Dead Beat. Also tune into our Patreon if you want to donate to us once a month. We'll give you some extra fun content. Um, including movie musical commentaries, or maybe Otto and I will sit together and watch this Kelsey Grammer uh, film, and, and and we'll get to hear Otto give a live reaction commentary. To I'm it. sending Reed. <laughs> Actually, I would love to be one with Reed. I think he might have some fun. Either way, Otto, where can people find you if they want to follow you and all your antics? Well, if you still want to follow me, you should do that. I'm really fun and effervescent at best of times. Um, I saved all my cynicism for this podcast Um, really I am at Autumn DM Smith on Facebook and Instagram I don't do the Twitter it takes too much time Um, and uh, Littlewood Smith is the business name some fun things happening with that so Stay tuned for more, and I'll uh, maybe sneak on an Insta story if Snowflake, the shelf elf, elf shelf on a shelf, uh, starts her own Instagram. There we go. There we go. And you can follow me at Mackenzie Horner on all social media platforms. You also can follow my antics with Cup of Hemlock at all the Cup of Hemlock platforms where I am doing uh, monthly reviews of uh, musicals and plays from Broadway HD and Stratfest on digital we also do roundtable discussions we are going to be potentially launching some new series in the new year so keep an ear out for those and who knows autumn may be joining us for a few episodes too so there you go yes 
stay tuned for that. And until next time, everybody, God bless us, everyone. God bless everyone. God bless us indeed. Stay tuned for our review of The Prom. That'll be coming around this holiday season, too. So there you go. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Yes. God bless us, everyone.